voice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifice. Father, we thank you for Terry. We thank you, Lord, for her commitment to you. I ask right now, Lord, that you would keep her close to you. You would allow her to grow and mature as a Christian. And, Lord, that you would use her to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around her. Father, tonight as we come together, and truly we do come to bring the sacrifice of praise to you, to lift up our hearts to you in praise and worship. And we ask, Lord, that you would meet us tonight in this service and that tonight... We would sense the power of your presence in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let me just remind you of a couple of things that uh, will be coming up tonight. Right after the service, we'll be having deacons meeting. And then tomorrow morning, we'll be having our men's breakfast at 7 o'clock. And hope you guys can come out and join us in the morning. We always have a great time at our men's breakfast. It'll start at 7. We'll have time of uh, sharing together in the meal. And then we'll have some prayer requests and then a short devotion. We always have a good time, and we'll be out by about a quarter till eight. You'll have plenty of time to get to work. 
So I hope you can join us tomorrow morning for our men's prayer breakfast. Now we have some visitors here tonight, and we're just thrilled that you're here visiting with us. We like to welcome you in a very special way, and the way we like to welcome you is to ask you as the visitor just to remain seated while our members stand around. So if you're a member, a regular visitor, you stand, and visitors, if you'll remain seated, and we'll come and greet you personally. If you would, please, and take your hymnal. Turn to 66. There is a name I love to hear. Oh, how I love Jesus. Hymn number 66.
and a promotion, and we also get pins. So here we have Gabriel Barreras. He's, this is his first year with us, and he gets his pin and certificate. Going down to bite your mom. Leslie House. Come on, Leslie. She has her first year pin and certificate. Nels Malzon, the same. And Jessica Pennington. And Clay Scott. Kara Newton. Kara, this is her first year and she's also promoting to the older children's choir as are the rest of these children. Miranda Scott has been with us one year. Brady Gillum has her second year pin. Matthew Heron, second year. David Johnson, his second year pin. Matthew Moody, and Kevin Poole. And we have Christina Barreras, who's been with us for three years. Thank you. Thank you, kids. You know, I was just thinking a while ago, this is our sanctuary choir of the future, these little kids are. They'll be singing up here one of these days. And I think it's great that we have those that will work with him, Marcella and others. I think we owe them a hand of appreciation for the work they've done. Stand together now. Let's sing hymn number 302, Set My Soul Afire, Lord, Set My Soul Afire. 302, as we stand together and sing.
Father, we thank you for the beauty of this Lord's Day. And Father, we thank you for the special significance of this day, for Mother's Day. And Father, I give thanks to you for, for my mother, for the godly example that she set to me. Father, we pray your anointing upon the remaining portion of this service. And we pray that your blessings will be on this offering. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Stephen knew his words had cut their hearts. He knew their plans. But in that moment of no way out, Stephen never had a doubt. And in that moment of final despair, saw Jesus standing there just a stone's throw Heaven is just a stone's throw away just a stone's throw Heaven is just a stone's throw signs they're written everywhere they say it's almost time and just like Stephen full of faith I will rest in those promises made and just like stones throw away heaven is just a stone's thrown away just a stone's throw away heaven is just a stone's throw away better give your Don't throw your whole life away. You better get your house in order. He could take us to heaven today. Just a stone's throw away. Heaven. Message. There's just a little bit of a ring. The fifth chapter of Ephesians. Uh, continue in our series on the divine design of, the, of two sermons on this. So really, um, what I'm if you need a worksheet, uh, eight years. Just kidding. Fifth chapter of the book of, of Ephesians, right at this time, just to read verse 25. Husband and gave himself up for her. 
Young troops, gentlemen, don't even think about marriage until you've ma I wonder why a marriage is potential warfare, meaningful relationship with someone. It is true that establishing and maintaining a meaningful relationship with anyone, why it's portrayed in the media or in, in, in literature, discontented, a discontented, bitter relationship. In, and there are reasons why it is difficult to establish a meaningful relationship. There are three reasons. The first has to do with the curse. Back to the third chapter of the book of Genesis. Or the second chapter. I'm going to go back and take a look at some things. The first thing, and it's found in the second chapter, beginning at verse 18. For I will make him a helper suitable for him. And the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the skies and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned marriage before the curse. Man, uh, child world that is created by the Creator. And so he designed someone to be a leader and someone to be a... So that the man was to be the leader and the woman was to be the follower. That's marvelous unity in the garden before the curse. Look at verses 20 to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both. He was the leader and she was the follower. And he had responsibility to forget this in your notes that there are four reasons for marriage to bring children to the world. Secondly, to morality. 1 Corinthians 7 2 is that passage where fulfillment and to prevent immorality and fourth to provide perfect relationship man was the leader and the woman was the follower and they lived intimacy but then in Genesis chapter 3 knows that man is the leader and he is the one who tempts her and she sins and the result of her there is a role reversal and the man becomes the follower and the woman, because that's obvious. And there are four elements in the curse. So that in, in the pain of childbirth, the woman realized the element of the curse is that man has to go to work. There is labor to make a living. So that man would have to work to earn a living, a part of the curse of sin. There are two effects of the curse. Get this picture because it all fits together as we move through this. this uh, and now woman seeks to rule the man and man seeks to rule woman that is characterized by submission. Opinion. A woman that is characterized by submission. Unnatural. And the reason why it is unnatural is because the corruption of Satan because he knew that it was the only hope of right human basis of all human relationships. If we cannot live basic human relationship, and Satan knows that, and so he attacks the home, and he tries to corrupt marriage in the following ways, good enough to follow. By polygamy, chapter 4, verse 19, I want to read this, is evil sexual thoughts and words his brothers outside and when you read the context 
it is obvious that what evil sexual thought and words, as a matter of fact, they are cursed as children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarah took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. The first account of adultery. Fourth, homosexuality. Genesis chapter 19, verses 4 through 11. Homosexuality. The first account of homosexuality. Fifth, fornication and rape. Genesis chapter 34, verses 1 and 2. Let me read that. Fornication and rape. Genesis 34, 1 and 2. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and lay with her by force. The first account of a rape. Incest. Genesis 38, 13 through, 30, uh, through 18. I'm just going to give you the references to the last two. Prostitution, Genesis 38, 24, and seduction, Genesis 39, 7 through 12. Now I want you to look at this gory picture. We haven't even gotten out of the first book of the Bible, and we've gone from this marvelous paradise of beautiful human relationship this marvelous intimate relationship of husband and wife and we've already run the gamut from polygamy to seduction and all that comes in between. Now you think Satan didn't work in overtime to destroy this divine design that God had for, the, for marriage and family. Alright, the seduction of Satan and third, the confusion of society. The confusion of society. Now the confusion that exists in our world, I think, centers around two things. It centers around um, the desire of the woman to rule and all that's involved in um, um, women's liberation, and I won't get into that and get in trouble. And the oppression of the man, of the woman, where which leads all the way to hedonism and playboy and uh, pornography where man sees the woman as an object to use. It's amazing. I was, I was um, um, back at the back of the auditorium this morning kind of laying out the bulletins and there was this little, um, you know, the, 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 the kids choir practicing here yesterday and there was this little uh, magazine uh, uh, order blank where you could order magazines. And in the, in, the, in the print that it's obvious of a little kid as a joke, he, he was writing out his order. He was ordering magazines, you know. Guess what magazine he was ordering? Starts with a P and ends with a Y, Playboy. I mean, in little boy's... Uh, handwriting, he was making out his order for fun and, and the magazine he wanted to order was Playboy. 
in Playboy, Hefner says, sex is, a, is an animal instinct and we're all animals. All the way from hedonism to pornography, which is the number one bestseller in, 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 uh, in the media. Staggering. Well, so much for that gory stuff. Let's look at the duty of the husband. Back to Ephesians chapter 5. Now men, we are to love our wives. According to, to verse 21, we are to love our wives and we are to submit by loving. The husband, it's a mutual submission and the, and, the, and the submission of the husband is by loving his wife, by loving them. Keep in mind that this submission is mutual. The submission is mutual. That is a point that we've made from the very beginning. Now the word love there is an interesting word. You know the word agape? It is the most intimate, far-reaching, comprehensive, fulfilling term there is for love. Agape. How are we to love them? I want to introduce the first point, the manner of love, verses 25 through 31. Let's read it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she may be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let, er let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. The manner of love. Now, you don't have to be a nuclear scientist to know, to understand that the husband is to love his wife in the same way, in the same manner, to the same degree, with the same kind of love that Christ loved the church. Now I want to show you two parallel passages, and so you'll turn back to Romans chapter 5. If I were uh, interested in knowing how to love my wife, I'd be turning to that. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 or one I want to have one of these days if I'm not married. <clears throat> but God, verse 8, chapter 5, Romans, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, what was this church like that he gave himself up for? 
Notice that he demonstrated his love for us in that while and at the same time we were sinners. He died for us. Now this is the amazing and incredible truth of theology that this man Jesus, absolutely holy and absolutely righteous, untainted, unspotted, without flaw, makes the absolute ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life up for the undeserved, the undeserving church. Now it means this, that if I love my wife as Christ loved the church, that she does not have to deserve my love for me to give it. As a matter of fact, I am to make the sacrifice of loving her irregardless of her value or worth. Even while we were sinners, he died for us. This absolutely holy, unblemished man without a flaw gave himself up somebody didn't deserve. That's the kind of love, he said, we're to have. Now, what happens is, that the first time, you know, that, the, that you know, here's the woman, and first time she's unlovely, and, and the, you know, the new wears off, well, I'll just, you know, get another one. Try that one. All right, the second parallel passage is Romans 8. Romans 8, 35. Let me show you a marvelous parallel passage. Verses 35. You know it before you ever turn. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation. Now when you go to the normal, you know, go to an average wedding, the, you know, the, 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 the traditional wedding, it's, uh, the uh, tr traditional wedding is you know, um, in sickness and in health, and joy and in sorrow, and in uh, prosperity and in poverty. You know, that's what we, we make those promises. Look at here, look at it. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, word means to press out the juice of the grape. Shall something happen to the love you have for your wife under pressure? Nothing or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Nakedness means poverty. Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long, we're considered sheep to the slaughter. But in all these things we're overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now the guy says, I just don't love her anymore. God says, you are to love her like Jesus loved you like God loved you, and nothing shall separate you from that love. Nothing. And he names everything that runs the gamut. Nothing changes it. Nothing separates it. 
Now, there are practical ways for a man to love his wife. Let me give you that and we're through. If you can find 1 Peter, find the third chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Three practical ways that a man is to love his wife. First Peter 3, 7. You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way. First practical way to love your wife, consideration. Consideration. Sensitive understanding. Sensitive understanding. I enter in with an, in an empathetic way. I understand. I, I'm sensitive. Now, if you caught that passage that I read in Ephesians, it says that the husband is to love his wife like he loves his own body. Let me tell you what that means. If I love my wife like I love my own body, I am sensitive to her needs. I'm sensitive to the needs of my body. I haven't eaten since lunch and I'm hungry, you know. So after a while, I'm going to feed my... If, if I step out and it's bitter cold, I'm sensitive to that need. I need clothing, I need coat, etc. If I love my wife like I love my own body, I am sensitive to her needs. I am as sensitive to her needs as I am sensitive to my own. If I love my wife like I love my own body, I am sensitive to her hurts. So that what hurts my body, I'm sensitive to. I have a low pain index. And anybody that is cruel to his body, we call, you know, we, we think the guy's he's sick. I can remember one time a guy came into my office in North Fort Worth Baptist Church to counsel with me, and he had latent homosexual tendencies and desires. He had these terrible scars on his face. And he told me that he hated himself so much for those thoughts that he would cut his face, he'd look at himself in the mirror and cut himself with a razor, straight razor. And he had scars all over his face. Now here I am sitting across the, the desk from this guy and I'm thinking, you're, you're sick, you're crazy. You know, I mean, I didn't say that point out, but I sure thought it. Anybody that would cut himself up like that has got to be something wrong with him. Anybody who enjoys hurting his wife has something wrong with him if he loves his wife like he loves his own body. So that he is sensitive and understanding and considerate. Instead, except, you know, somebody said chivalry is what a man practices with another door, you know, for another man's wife. But he... He won't do it for his own. You ever notice that? Live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, chivalry. It means to do those little things and helping her with her coat and oh, for you kind of thing. You do remember back then when... <laughs> Look at this. Communion. Ways to love your wife of the grace of life. And then he jacked. Now, I know that what that means is this. I know this. Forget about praying until he gets things straightened out. I know that that's what that means. Pray 
and have anything happen. When he says that your prayers be not hindered, I think that he's talking about sharing of your spiritual life so that your prayers together will not be Now when a, wife, when a husband is loving his wife, her spiritual leader, and he's doing a good job loving her, spiritual communion, the depth of spiritual communion, I wonder how to do, isn't it? It really is. I don't know for couples to come and, and, and promise they'll start praying together. I must say that as long as they've been married, they've never prayed together with their wife. My wife, in, in a in, in practical way, by being considered, by doing those practical things of, that, that are uh, part of being, and then that deep communion that links spiritually. There's something special their marriage than physical relationships to make that happen guys is the man this is direct to live the way we ought to live I feel like I need to give an invitation tonight and I can't give an invitation in fact the Bible has more to say about how to live after you're saved than it does about how to get saved if you'll trust him and I'd like to extend an invitation to God together. We want to find our role together in the home. Live that out. I'm assuming that we're going to have a meeting tonight, although I do not see our like and Redeemer. Amen.